0: Hey guys, this is Vikas. And this is Harit. You are listening to the Talk Your Way Up podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Talk Your Way Up. Previously, we spoke about job interviews and how effective communication plays a pivotal role in it. Now, we can tell you all of that, but there's only so much we can observe as an interviewee so in this episode we bring you a perspective from the other side of the table a renowned guest who has vast experience in the field of HR recruiting and soft skills training an alumnus of XLRI Manish has been in the field of learning and development for the past 16 years during this period he has worked across manufacturing service and consulting industries a trainer by profession in And a public speaker by passion he has consulted organizations like pepsico itc indigo godrej vip industries alcatel lucent and many others in the areas of performance management branded customer service values and leadership development during his last assignment he was heading the learning and development at arvind group where he was responsible for the growth and development of 5,000 employees across 11 divisions and 4 group companies. Manish has also been recognized as the top 100 HR professionals under 40 by Jambay. He is also a passionate Toastmasters and has won numerous competitions in public speaking. He was also the Area Director for A1 of District 98 at Toastmasters International during the year 2018-19. Manish, it is an absolute pleasure to have you here today as a guest on Talk Your Way Up.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Vikas. Uh, Great to be out here.
0: Definitely. Uh, Can you tell us about how your journey has been both as a speaker and as a HR consultant in the corporate world? Uh,
1: So to begin with, I was uh, never a great speaker in my school days. I used to be really scared of uh, public speaking. And I used to look at opportunities just to avoid uh, coming on the stage and speaking. And I got introduced to public speaking in my college days uh, when I attended a short program uh, which was based on the Dale Carnegie method of uh, speaking. And that's Mm -hmm. when it uh, happened and from one thing led to the other and then I got interested in public speaking. After that, uh, my career actually took a... was in the direction of uh, going for... uh, Commerce and MBA, and I did my MBA in marketing because I like to study marketing. I like those uh, subjects, and that's why I took marketing. But during the summer internship, I got—I uh, actually did my internship for one of the training organizations, and that's the first time I actually got to know that okay, there is something like uh, training and public speaking and communication, and uh, which uh, you can actually—you uh, can be a speaker. You can be—it uh, it is also called as motivational uh, speaker. So you can be something like that. And I said, wow, this is something which I would like to be. And uh, after my MBA, I was looking for jobs uh, and uh, the jobs actually, which came into the campus didn't excite me. And so I said, okay, let me start something of my own. Let me do something which I like to do. And uh, the best uh, form or the closest which comes to a a trainer or a speaker is actually teaching. And so I took up teaching assignments in business schools and uh, Initially, I used to approach business schools and I used to uh, do some sort of a demo sessions and uh, they used to like it. And then I used to say, okay, this is what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to train the MBA students on communication skills and public speaking. Because uh, that's what actually MBA, one of the requirements of an MBA is they should be able to communicate effectively. So that's when my journey began in terms of training on communication skills. And uh, when I did my MBA during that time, uh, doing an MBA was like a hot... uh, Thing and it was very much in demand, and uh, MBA schools were mushrooming like uh, crazy all around. And uh, so, so were the coaching classes. And uh, once you cleared the CAT, the common admission test for getting into the IIMs and other business schools, there's a round uh, which is called a group discussion and personal interview. And you have to clear that round if you uh, want to get into a good business uh, school, and that round requires good communication skills, and that's where. The MBA entrance coaching classes, actually, uh, I approached them and I got an assignment to work with one of uh, a well-known coaching class in Pune where I would train students on how to crack the group discussion and personal interview. Exciting job, wonderful uh, and I really, really enjoyed it. And after some point of time, you know, the question comes is what next? And then I said, okay, if I have to grow, where is it from here? So obviously from students, it comes to corporates. And so I said, okay, now I want to get into a corporate training. And by that time, I had understood or I knew a little bit about the training industry, the market, and it was also growing. And so I moved to a international training consulting organization based out of Delhi. And there I was working with them and I was consulting, I was training organizations in the area of performance management, in the area of leadership, in the area of sales. So the basket actually widened out there. And that was, again, a very exciting assignment because I got to consult organizations like PepsiCo, VIP Bags, Max New York Life Insurance, and a whole lot of others, you know, Alcatel, Lucent, and a whole lot of other other companies. So that was, again, pretty good in terms of developing my communications and developing my knowledge about training. But I realized there was one challenge, and that was HR. Because... uh, training comes under HR and I need to be a part, I need to be on the other side, right? I need to be in an organization to see how is training making a difference, what is it that I can do and how do you identify training needs and whole lot of other things which are part of the HR. And so I joined uh, an e-commerce uh, startup uh, in uh, in Gurgaon called Make My Trip. And there is when I got to understand the HR functioning and the HR, how the HR works. and. Uh, post that i said okay i worked for a e-commerce startup i worked for a training consulting organization now what and i realized one thing which i need to complete is working for a manufacturing organization and a conglomerate and that's when i my last uh, stint in terms of job was with arvin Mills. and uh, with arvin Mills again i i not just focused on just doing trainings and HR I said okay now let's look at in communication how can I take myself to a different level and that's when I got introduced to also Toastmasters fortunately there was a Toastmasters club in Ahmedabad and uh, I joined that my journey as a Toastmaster also started growing out there as well as a journey as a uh, as an HR professional and uh, About two years ago, I said, okay, now it's time to do what I like to do the most. And that's actually doing training consulting because that's what I started with because I was excited about it. And so I moved and currently I'm a freelance uh, trainer and HR consultant associated with a couple of uh, organizations. And uh, that's what I do currently. So that's how the journey
2: is. Wow, Manish, that is so inspiring. You've tried and tasted the entire buffet spread post-college, be it training students, corporates, being on the other side, being on this end and uh, you've pretty much tasted everything. You've understood what you like and uh, and you've progressed the entire career and that's super inspiring, especially for people like us who are just starting out. Uh, Now, as far as I remember, I mean, during our final year college, which was just a few years back, and I'm sure even Vikas can relate to it. uh, We all used to prepare a lot for placements. We used to study a lot. We used to be super thorough with all the technical concepts, and we used to go as prepared as possible, you know, marking up all the concepts. Now, uh, from all the people that you've coached and from what you have seen, Assuming that a candidate is technically very, very sound, he or she knows the technical details in and out, what are the other things that you look for besides just the technical depth? What are the other checklists that you have in your mind when a candidate approaches you? Yeah,
1: so now I've done a lot of uh, campus interviews. Uh, I did a lot of campus interviews for uh, Make My Trip. I did a lot of campus interviews for... uh, Arvind as well, and I've been a part of other interview panels uh, as well. Now, initially, as you're right, you know, the first thing which you're going to check is the technical ability. And if the technical uh, ability or the competence is not there, you're outrightly going to reject the candidate because the candidate is unfit for uh, the job. But that's not, having said that, that's not it. Just technical knowledge just doesn't uh, help. Post-technical knowledge, what is uh, what we look at or what organizations uh, look at is how sound the person is with respect to his or her communication skills. Are they able to communicate uh, effectively what uh, they want to say? How are they able to put their points uh, across? And this is very, very important. So they may be technically sound, but if uh, they are not able to put their point across, that point across, that technical knowledge is not going to actually help and uh, this uh, we have uh, seen with a lot of people in in uh, in organizations like make my trip and even in Arvind actually i've seen that we have got GATs from excellent uh, excellent uh, colleges excellent educational background but uh, during meetings now if there is a challenge which is they are facing at the shop floor they are supposed to raise that challenge in the meeting and if they are not able to raise their challenge if they are not confident about uh, speaking then their technical knowledge is of no use to us. Uh, they are hired because, and they are hired at a, at a high package than the rest of the lot. They are hired because they are supposed to identify the challenges, bring it out, and then you are supposed to resolve it. So communication skills is something which we definitely check uh, in the interview and it's checked in, in a big way in, uh, in a whole lot of organizations and the organizations which I have worked with definitely used to check that. Uh,
0: that's That's Pretty interesting, uh, Manish. And you said you've uh, been a part of a lot of campus interviews. Uh, So in your experience, uh, have you ever uh, come across candidates whom you've hired uh, solely or mainly based on their exceptional communication skills or anything somebody did differently that made you want to hire them?
1: Yes, yes, definitely. I mean, uh, what I remember is whenever we used to go for uh, campus, there used to be a technical round and then there used to be an HR round. And sometimes we used to uh, have, we used to club both of uh, the rounds. And uh, the, the, the idea was to hire, we are okay hiring a candidate or we would prefer hiring a candidate who has a decent technical knowledge and good communication skills or great communication skills rather than having a candidate who has great technical knowledge but no communication skills so your technical knowledge may not be like absolute the best and brilliant you're good at it i'm not saying you're bad at it you're good at it but your communication skills are equally good your the chances of uh, getting hired are much more than someone who uh, who may be having a great technical knowledge but, uh, you know, poor communication skills. And the reason is very simple. I mean, the person with great uh, technical knowledge and poor communication skills is just not able to impress the panel at the interview. That is where the first uh, challenge comes in. And if the panel is uh, not impressed, uh, there is no way in which uh, the person is going to clear the interview and get that job.
2: Makes sense, Manish. Uh, Average technical skills with great communication goes a long way. Uh, uh, You used a very crucial word, impressing the panelists and the interviewers who are going to be there. And I would love to dig deeper into the aspects of communication that really defines a person and how one can come across as a great communicator and how one can consciously work towards becoming one. And uh, because that's a very essential part, like you mentioned, of cracking an interview. So talking about the very first thing, you know, I mean, when a candidate first walks in, the first impression that he or she gives, like there is a very common saying that the interviewer has already made their call within the first five to 10 seconds and the rest of the interview is just confirming their initial hypothesis. How true is it and what are the checklists you have in, in, in terms of a first impression? When a candidate is first coming, what can he or she do to give that killer first impression during the interview?
1: So uh, typically when we used to take interviews, what we used to do is uh, we used to have a little bit of distance between uh, the door as uh, and the table and we would actually observe the candidate walking from the door and taking his or her seat and you make a lot of impressions, uh, you make a lot of judgments in that first uh, 10 to 15 seconds or 20 seconds. You're actually observing the person's body language. What is the body language communicating? Is there confidence the way the person is walking? Uh, is there uh, is there a, a poise? Is there uh, is the body? What is the body telling? You know what is the body communicating? Is the body communicating uh, fearlessness? Is the body communicating nervousness? What is uh, going on? And uh, those are good uh, good areas to make uh, some impressions about the candidate. And this is something who wants to for someone who wants to actually go and you know work on developing their interviewing skills. Your actually walk your walk to the interview table is the first uh, co- first point of communication where you're communicating with the interviewer. It is not your, uh, what do you say? It is before you say, what are you communicating? So that's the first uh, impressions. And they, these get formed, you know, saying whatever that interviewers should not have biases, this, that, etc. Everything okay. But judgments are going to get formed right from the time the person sees you or the person hears your voice. And... This is where, uh, you know, the first impression gets formed. So your dress and your walk is the first point of communication with the interviewer. And that has to be really, really good. Uh, Now, we we, we go ahead with it. That, Where is the second impression comes in? The second impression comes in with when you take your seat. Okay, how are you taking your seat? What is it? How comfortable you are when you're seated? Now, look at it. Okay, you have created two impressions and you have not even said said a word. First is your walk and second is your posture. The way you're sitting on the chair are you sitting uh, are you sitting there showing that you're confident right? this is the second aspect of uh, communication and these two impressions matter having said anything you know that uh, yes the what do you say also matters but these two impressions create a sort of a first uh, first hand uh, they create a point in the interviewer's mind whether should i select him should i not select him how do i find the candidate good decent okay and then it's about moving that cursor left or right. That determines how well you answer the questions.
0: Yeah. If we think about it, interview is like a filtering process. So yeah. the first two things before you even say the word uh, matters a lot. And it it doesn't have to be a bad thing, right? Uh, the fact that you can make create a good impression even before you start the interview process means that it could be a differentiating factor for a lot of candidates if they can work on improving this. Uh, it, it can make a lot of difference to them. Because uh, there's a saying, uh, technical ability can be taught, but attitude, confidence is what uh, is looked at during hiring and recruitment. Uh, does the statement hold any merit, Manish?
1: Yeah, so there's another very interesting saying in HR that you can get hired for your technical skills, but you can get fired for your soft skills. <laughs> so, so you may get hired eventually because or whatever, even for your technical skills. But uh, in the after you get hired, if you're not going to uh, be, uh, if you don't have the right kind of soft skills, you can get fired for that, or right kind of attitude also. You can get fired for that, and uh, most of the interviews, uh, in fact, many interviews actually check for that. They check for, uh, see, uh, technical skills, you can very well, uh, there is a way of filtering it out. It's very simple. I mean, you go to the best of the business schools, you go to uh, the best of the engineering college, you know that the engineering college, the college has done the job of getting the the best and the brightest mind. So you don't have to get into that. No matter what you select, there's going to be high probability that you get a sound technical person that is going to be there. The differentiating factor now is not the technical per- technical ability of the person, but the communication ability, the aptitude, the emotional quotient of the person. And that becomes the differentiating f- factor. And in fact, majority of the challenges which the corporate world face are never technical challenges. They are uh, in, in the corporate world, this is called the adaptive world, the adaptive challenges. And this has got all to do with behavior. This has got nothing to do with technical ability.
2: Wonderful. Uh, so Manish, how do you test these, uh, I mean, from an interviewer's perspective, like, do you test it as part of the technical questions? And do you keep these notes? or uh, and, and you just observe these parallelly? Or are they separate tests that you have in your mind? I mean, how do you know what is the emotional quotient of a person? or uh, In terms of being adaptive, like can the candidate handle changes? How do you check all these parameters in just a short interview?
1: Uh, see on the technical side the technical person is asking questions the uh, the other interviewers if there's a panel of two interviewers or more the other interviewers are just supposed to observe the person's uh, body language are just supposed to observe how the person is saying so from, from this, from the technical round you can actually come to know about the confidence of the person when giving the, uh, giving the answers is the person really confident about what he or she knows is the person frank, authentic all this can be tested by just observation now, if you really want to test about uh, the attitude of a person, it's it's a little bit tough to actually test attitude. And uh, different companies do it differently. So there are psychometric tools uh, which are uh, being used by organizations to get uh, an idea of what is the kind of personality does this uh, person have. And uh, many many psych- psychometric tools like a FIRO-B or a MBTI, which which test the personality of a person. Uh, some companies do it a little bit differently. They do something which is called as a behavioral event interview. So in the interview, they would actually give you some situations or cases, caselets, and they would ask you to comment or give your ideas on, on that caselet. Now, or they would actually ask you questions related uh, to check how have you behaved in a particular situation in the past. And uh, you can do a fair amount of judgment on the basis of the behavioral event interview. Uh, I'll, I'll explain more of this but the first question which typically any interview ask and uh, there's a joke also going uh, around uh, this the first question which, which generally they ask in interviews tell me something about yourself okay. now this is a and this is asked even in business schools and and when you're getting admission into a business school and this is a very classic question if answered well this can actually decide how your interview is going to go and uh, during the, when I was uh, training students for MBA entrance, I would actually make them write down these, uh, this answer because this is very, very important. This is a golden opportunity for you to highlight your strengths, to highlight where you want to take your interview. And here you talk about how your journey has been till now. Now this question, if asked to a college student who's applying for a campus interview, you have to talk about your journey. How has it been? In, in college, you know, up till college. What is it that you have done? What are your strengths? How did you come to know of your strengths? And all these points can be included tell me something about yourself. Now, unfortunately, people start by, by just saying, my name is so-and-so. I belong to so-and-so uh, place. I have done my graduation, engineering, whatever they are doing in this and this field. And they talk about in my family, uh, I have, my parents are there. I have got a sister, brother of this. is. And they start. Now, that is where... Uh, You have actually missed an opportunity of communicating. What is it that you have done in your college? What excites you? What are you passionate about? What do you wish to do in the future? What are some of your strengths? So this is like the first question which can actually tell a whole lot of things about the candidate. It also talks about the attitude because the way you can come to know a lot about how the person, how eager the person is to communicate. You may not judge about whether it's a positive or negative attitude, but you can come to know how is this person's level of thinking? You get to know a whole lot lot of things about that. Uh, In a behavioral event interview, what happens is uh, you, uh, this is generally done at a little bit of a mid-level. You may not do this at uh, a college level, at a mid-level, but they, uh, or a senior level, a behavioral event interview is conducted where you ask specific questions like, tell me, uh, you know, a challenging situation which you faced or what is the greatest challenge which you faced uh, up till now? And uh, when you're answering this uh, question, what is being checked uh, is, okay, what was the great challenge in your life, which was like a make or break situation or a do or die situation? How did you overcome that challenge? Uh, If you are part of a big project, the question is very specific. What is your contribution? And uh, at this point, uh, the interviewee has to be very specific. If you have faced a challenge, it's not the challenge of the organization, which was big. It has to be your challenge, which has got to be where you were actually in a situation where you were very scared, you trembled, you didn't know what to do. You were in a catch-22 situation, some sort of those situations. And what the panel is trying to see is, are you aware of of what kind of situations, you know, or they want to check what kind of situations have you gone through? What is the worst which you have faced? And how how did you deal with it? So these kind of uh, questions actually in the interview
0: helping on knowing a whole lot of things about about the person. Wow. Uh, Manish, I think you gave us a plethora of insight into the reasons behind these questions. Now, at first sight, we believe that these are just icebreaker questions, but if we don't utilize the intent and the opportunity behind it, uh, we are rightly missing out on a lot of things. Like Just something as simple as tell me about yourself. Uh, the choice that we make about the incidents or the topics that we convey to the interviewer uh, can make or break an impression. That's that's fantastic. And uh, you spoke yes. about behavioral uh, psychology, right? Uh, now, be it college or at a middle senior level, uh, this challenge—what is the biggest challenge you face? Decisions uh, you made. Uh, you said we need to focus on our personal challenges and how we were scared and what we did to overcome. And it's it's not just the organizational. Uh, I think many of us make this mistake that we we spoke about, we tend to speak about the challenge our project faced or our team faced and how uh, as a team, we collectively came across this. Uh, So, uh, and I think the reasoning behind this is to, pick the most challenging part uh, with the intent to convince the panel. But uh, let's say we have faced a very small challenge, which might have been big at our level, but may not seem uh, huge. Uh, What do you suggest we do at that time? How do we uh, convey this challenge and the decisions we have made in such situations?
1: see the challenge can be uh, for an, for a panel you may think that the challenge is small but the the, the question which is given to you is very uh, simple what is the biggest challenge you have faced till now and you talk about what is the biggest challenge which you have faced and why do you think is the biggest challenge and um, it it could be a small challenge from the panel's perspective uh, or someone else's perspective but you have to always justify why the challenge was really really big for you and you are the best decision uh, decision maker out there. All you have to do is you have to convince the panel that this was the biggest challenge. And there could be a whole lot of reasons for
0: it. <clears throat> why it the why is important. The why is
1: important. For example, a challenge could be that I had my exam and I lost a, a family member. Now That was the biggest challenge. Because uh, I uh, emotionally, I was not able to deal with the loss of a family member and the preparation which I had to do for my exam. And even while going through such a situation, I came out with flying colors in my exam. Now, that is one of my biggest challenge. How am I dealing with a personal loss versus uh, my education, my commitment towards my education? And what did I do to just stay committed, stay focused even when this personal loss was there? So that could be one type of a challenge which someone has faced. So even for a student, it could uh, be something as simple, something like this, you know, which a student may face or the students are working uh, on, on a project and uh, there is a conflict in the project. Now, you as a person, what did you do about it? Did you try to get the team together? So it can be, again, a conflict within the team, but what is your contribution out there? That is what the panel is always looking at. It's not about, okay, there was a challenge of some financial crunch and collectively we came and solved it. Okay, collectively you came and solved it. What did you do? The question always comes is, what did you do? What was your contribution? How did you overcome the challenge? And that is what uh, is, is seen. And that needs to be communicated when you are uh, talking about your challenges. Another question which comes, uh, and these, this is now, nowadays, uh, this has started, you know, they generally ask this. Now they ask, what is your biggest failure? So, yeah, something as similar as a challenge because now organizations have realized that the situation has become so dynamic and uh, we are living in a world which is called as a VUCA world volatile uncertain complex and ambiguous and you never know where your next competition will come from you never know what will hit you so take the current scenario i mean no one would have predicted that uh, you know there's going to be a lockdown for about 3 months and uh, everything is just going to come to a standstill and that could happen throughout the world so Now, this is what has happened. How are you going to deal with this scenario? And the more and more things are going to progress, if they're more and more ambiguous and complex, they are going to get. So you require someone who has tasted failure. You require someone who has got the resilience, who has been been able to bounce back. And that is, again, what will be tested in an interview through questions like this. What is your biggest failure? How did you deal with it?
0: So would you recommend being honest uh, about your biggest failures here? or, uh, because it, it's often challenging for a candidate in an interview to talk about their mistakes and weaknesses. Uh, it, it gets a little intimidating what, uh, whether we'll make a bad impression. So what is the intent behind asking this and how do you recommend candidates to go about this question? So if
1: this question was asked to me about, uh, 12, 13 years ago, when, uh, when I was doing MBA entrance coaching, I would have actually said, no, no, convert your weakness, uh, make your uh, strength into a weakness or convert your weakness into a strength and explain that. But uh, for the last uh, couple of years, what I've seen is uh, it makes sense to be authentic. You don't need to lie about your weaknesses. If there's something which is a weakness, you have to say that it's a weakness and you have to also show about, uh, show how you're working on that uh, weakness. And uh, no one is going to be perfect. No one is perfect. Everyone has... uh, everyone will have their own weaknesses the question is what are you doing about it once you so the first stage why why is this important because what the panel is actually trying to check is are you aware of what exactly your weaknesses are that awareness stage needs to be uh, needs to be there because only if you're aware then you can do something about it so first is awareness the second the, the what is being looked at is what are you doing about it once you're aware and if you are able to show these two things so you may not have overcome that weakness which is okay but just the awareness and just the ability to do something about it is good enough for the interview panel to actually say hey here is a person who knows you know what he has to he or she has to work on and that that becomes a differentiator you know in an interview
2: that's a fantastic tip, Manish. And uh, and again, for me, personally, a huge takeaway because typically the interviewer just asks, can you please tell me about your weaknesses or what is your biggest failure? They don't typically ask what have you done to overcome it, but it's always a good habit if you yeah. you know explicitly tell about your weaknesses and instead of just stopping, go ahead and say, so this is what I've done. I'm aware that these are what I'm not very good at but i've taken these steps and hopefully in the next few months or years i will get much better at it and like you said that goes a huge way in showing emotional quotient because you are more self aware about yourself and uh, how you are as a person which which adds points to the eq caution, i mean eq bucket of the candidate as a whole um, now, you did talk about, tell me about yourself. And yes, that's a question which we've all uh, faced before. And another uh, very, very common question is, where do you see yourself five years down the line? And I have faced this during, I mean, pretty much all my interviews. Um, and it's, it's actually quite tricky because sometimes you do want to either go for the studies or maybe this is not what your intended career is and you want this to be a stepping stone. So do you, I mean, again, do you be very authentic about this or, uh, uh, or again, what is it that you look for from uh, an interviewer's perspective when you ask where do you see yourself five years down the line? Now here,
1: it's again, this is a very tricky question, according to me, because uh, where do you see yourself five years down the line? You may have thought of something, you may have thought of a career, a plan, where, for example, this happens with a lot of engineering students who After their engineering, they take up a job for one or two years before, and at the same time, they are preparing for their GRE and then they want to go abroad, they want to for their higher studies. And uh, what do you say, you know, when you're uh, facing uh, an interview like this, where they ask you, Where do you see yourself five years uh, from now? And uh, you can again, here I would again say, you can be authentic and you can be clear that okay, right now, uh, I have may not have thought about five years, I have thought about the next one or two years or three years where I'm looking at contributing in this organization to the best of my ability. So that's one way of looking at it and saying this is what you want to do. Or the other way is to look at, I don't just look at five years, I have looked at my my horizon as a career. And you talk about what is it that, or at the end of 15-20 years, where do you see yourself or what is it that currently you have thought about your career for 20 years? Down So that's another way of looking at this question and putting it. When you're saying, okay, this is what I would like to do in my life or this is the area or field which I want to contribute, I have not thought about how am I going to go right now, but that is my total field. So you're talking a little bit general out there. You're not talking uh, straight away saying that, okay, I I want to go for my higher studies, but you're talking in terms of your contribution to an area slightly slightly manipulative is what and i'm contradicting myself well uh, i said be authentic but this is again you're not cheating the interview you're just you're just talking about the areas which you would like to contribute uh, this is again a question where you have got to be real, care, really careful and i have seen some people uh, give very uh, funny answers is what i would uh, say you have to be careful with this question and why i'm just harping you have to be careful because one i remember in one of the campuses which we went and uh we asked this question and the candidate really, uh, a student, quite maybe ambitious, over, uh, over confident. He said, in five years, I want to be the CEO of this company. Okay. Now, in that company to become a CEO, <laughs> yeah, in that company to become a CEO, it would take uh, around 25, 30 years. Okay. So, now that is very ambitious. If you say five years, I would want to be the CEO of one company or I would like to start my own company, fair enough. We understand uh, that you know youngsters are ambitious and they want to start their own startup okay good but the ceo of this company where you are applying to and in 5 years you want to be the ceo of that company where the journey of a ceo itself takes about 25 30 years it's a pretty much mapped out journey there is no way in which they are going to make you a ceo in 5 years uh is thoda sa, it's a little bit uh, dicey and tricky so you have to be careful of such things then another incident which i remember uh, again it's a pretty funny one uh, so These are told, you know, in some, when you're going for MBA entrance or when you're going for campus uh, interviews, uh, they tell, you know, the campus placement officer tells them you have to be confident and, uh, you know, you are in the best of the IITs or best of the business schools. So, you know, you have to say whatever you want to say with confidence and all. And uh, so one one uh, in one interview, this question was asked: Where do you see yourself uh, five years now, from now? The candidate actually said, "This I would see myself in your position." And he didn't stop there. He actually said, "And you're going to lose your job." Okay, <laughs> now I I see myself in your position is is a little bit ambitious. Okay, but still okay. Why do you want to add? You're going to lose your job. I mean that is uh, the 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 panel would actually, th- you think the panel is going to take you for, <laughs> for, for such an answer?
0: Overconfident. So, Sounds but, uh, arrogant even to an extent, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, to a certain extent, arrogant, uh, overconfident and a little bit arrogant. Maybe some, some you know, there is there this problem with some business schools and they used to tell their uh, students that you are the best of the lot and you are all born CEOs. And, and this is the problem where uh, they actually don't know what what is it that you should say. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's, that's an interesting story, Vanesha. It's good to see that there's two extremes. If you're, uh, if you convey something too ambitiously over the top, that can also go against us. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, now we spoke a lot about how these questions are handled and what's the intent behind them uh, for fresh college grads. Uh, But what is the change when somebody is interviewing with experience? Maybe they're uh, three to five years experienced or even a little more. So uh, would the panel ask similar questions to them and expect different answers or will there be any uh, different expectations from them uh, for these questions?
1: Yeah, when you're asking an experienced person, some set of questions uh, change. I mean, you may still ask a question like, tell me something about yourself or where do you see yourself five years from now? Generally, that five years question is asked generally uh, in a campus interview, but you may still uh, ask uh, that. But as soon as uh, you gain some sort of experience, the questions revolve around what is it that you have done? And here yeah. are the questions with, uh, with respect to what are the challenges which you face, uh, faced? Uh, what was the most successful project you worked on? how did you motivate your team when you were working with a team? And um, sure, tell us an incident where you were, you had to influence someone senior and what strategies did you adopt? So you're going to ask a question about a lot about how the person has behaved in uh, his or her job. And you're uh, looking at scenarios. You're looking at uh, cases uh, as to what is it, where where specifically the person has been able to make a difference. And all these questions become EQ questions. They are nothing to do with uh, your technical abilities. Because all of all the... See, the biggest problem which today corporates have is not about technical problems, as I said. You know, they are more of adaptive problems, they are more of people-related problems. And any organization today which I go to, their problem uh, comes from either communication skills, their problem comes from conflict management, their problem comes from influencing. So they are all people-related problem, problems and uh, as you grow the what is being tested or what is being checked in an interview is how are you able to deal with people so from your knowledge of your uh, college and other things now it has moved to your ability to handle people, your ability to deal with people and uh, that's how the interview progresses always and it moves from so typically the levels at which corporate operates, is, there is an individual contributor so like there is no one below you And you're the person who is the sole individual who has to work and has to give uh, results. So that's an individual contributor. The second stage is a people manager. And if you're being interviewed for a people manager role, you will be definitely asked about situations where you have had to handle people. And how did you deal with it? So all these questions about influence, conflict, uh, negotiations, they all come. Then comes as a manager of managers, which is like a which is someone who's handling teams, not just, uh, you know, a couple of people, but who's handling uh, a couple of managers and who has got a team to take care of. And there is a question of inspiration which comes up. So the interview keeps on moving to the next level because the challenges differ. You're dealing with people. Your next challenge is not just to deal with people, but your next challenge is to motivate and inspire people. And as you go uh, up the uh, hierarchy, the question moves more towards inspiration. What How have you been able to inspire your your team? What is one project which you took which was really difficult and your team didn't feel like doing it or they feel they could not do it and you actually brought about a difference and made them or showed them that this could be done and you achieved it. And so all the challenges are related to inspiration and keeping up the motivation levels of the team high. So that's the graduation in the interview as you move up the hierarchy in corporate.
2: Wow, that is that is something, I mean, that's a lot for us to think about. Different levels as a communicator and how you grow as a person during your career. And the interviewer is aware about this at different levels. And because that's a lot of new topics for us, which we can cover in future as well. Conflict management, negotiation, people skills, inspiration, uh, because these are the deeper emotions which people go through and people experience uh, as they progress into their career. Wow. Wow. Um, Thanks. Thanks a lot, Manish. That was seriously jam-packed with a truckload of tips, tricks, and more than anything, perception. Perception from the other side about what is expected and how we can consciously work towards it. I personally had a lot of massive takeaways, uh, starting with the fact that even if you're quite average in technical, being exceptionally good at communication can go a long way in terms of the panel and the people who you're trying to impress in an interview setting. And uh, it it makes a difference as soon as you open the door. Who would have thought that as soon as you open the door, you, uh, are, I mean, you are being observed, everything is taken into account, the way you dress, how how clear it is, how well you walk and you show yourself, your posture when you drag the chair and you sit down with that confidence and that aura around you. And don't be overconfident, we learn that with a couple of stories too. And even while answering questions how we can be frank, authentic, but at the same time be very articulate in the way we give these responses with a lot of confidence and how even emotional quotient is tested on a certain level to ensure that you're self-aware. So even questions like weakness, failures, you also you always follow it up with what you did. What is your contribution? How that changed you? How that made you a better person? If you can accentuate all these points, then that's when the panelists will really get to know who you are as a person. And that's what makes the difference when it comes to the final decision as to uh, you know as manish put it whether the cursor is on the left or the right um and uh, finally how the different depth of skills which we can develop over time as a communicator uh, as a speaker and how to be more clear and succinct in terms of what comes out so that that was a lot of content and I, I think it's quite clear at this point that this is a skill which we all can work on and it makes a huge difference it, it can potentially be a life changer if we can learn to communicate better if we can learn to express ourselves better in all these settings. Uh, and that can really be a life changer. And we've heard that from somebody who has experienced, somebody who has coached people for years and decades into this field, into getting jobs and becoming better in this field. So thanks a lot for that, Manish. It, it, it was very holistic and deep at the same time. Is there anything else which you would like to say to our listeners and audience before we uh, wrap up the episode, Manish?
1: So, if I were to say my final words, I would say be fearless. Be fearless in not just the way you communicate, but be fearless in the way you lead or live your life. That is very, very important for you to lead a very fulfilling life. So, be fearless is the first thing which I would like to say. Communicate with passion. Communicate with your ideas. Communicate your opinions and don't... uh, Be scared of what other people are going to think of it. It's your idea. It's your opinion. And you communicate uh, with with others of what you think. And it's okay to be wrong. It's not that every time you are so scared of uh, what happens if I'm wrong. If you're wrong, if you're wrong, so be it. There's no harm in being wrong. And accept it. Make those changes and move ahead in life.
2: Fantastic. Guys, uh, if, uh, I mean, for the listeners out there, if you want to know more about Manish or if you want to get in touch with him, you can follow him on any social media platform. He's active on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, His uh, name is Manish, M-A-N-I-S-H, Kanolkar, K-H-A-N-O-L-K-A-R. All the relevant links will be there in the description below. So you can find those and follow him and know more about him. Connect with him if you'd like. Uh, And uh, finally, I'm guessing if you're listening to this episode, you probably have an interview coming up and you're trying to prepare for it. We really hope this helps and hope this has given you a perspective as to what all you can prepare for outside of the technical skills, which goes without saying anyway. So guys, all the best for your interview. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, you too can talk your way up.